0: To build the kinds of things developers want to build today, they need better tools. That's why Amazon Web Services built Amazon Aurora. It's a relational database engine that's compatible with MySQL and PostgreSQL, and it provides up to five times the performance of the standard MySQL on the same hardware at a tenth of the cost. Amazon Aurora from AWS can scale up to millions of transactions per minute. It automatically grows your storage to 64 terabytes. That's a lot of terabytes. And it replicates data to three different availability zones. You don't have to manage a thing. There are no upfront charges, no commitments. You only pay for what you use. Check it out at Aurora.AWS. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. You may know me as the person who keeps sending Russian nesting dolls to the White House, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode anywhere you listen to podcasts. or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and more. Or just visit recode.net slash podcasts for more. Today in the red chair is Lisa Dickey, the author of Bears in the Streets. It's a book about three trips she took across Russia over three decades and how the country evolved in that time. She also spoke at the Code Conference this year and was unusually popular, although I don't understand why. I am delighted to welcome her to the Rico Decode podcast. Lisa, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Kara. No for problem for having me. We have so much to talk about. Um, so let's just dive in. Why don't you explain for the people what Bears in the Streets is. Because I think you've done something unusual. You went to Russia over, what, 17,000 years? 17,000 years. Three decades. So three decades of trips to Russia.
1: Well, it's actually, I guess technically it would be over. So the first trip was in 1995. Mm -hmm. I went with this photographer, Gary Matoso, who Mm -hmm. had this radical idea that he just wanted to go across Russia and take pictures of ordinary people and then upload them to the... The internet, which mm-hmm. most of the Russians we talked to had no idea what that was. Right. They thought we were just making stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, but so this was his big idea. He had this prototype digital camera, and we were going to go across Russia. What was the camera? Just so it was, it like- was a it was a Kodak DCS 420, mm-hmm. and it was the size of a house. Mm-hmm. And it was. And I actually didn't even know that this technology existed when he showed it to me. Right. He told first. He told me. He said, "Oh, we're going to do. I'm going to take pictures, and we're going to do a World Wide Web like travelogue." Right. And I thought that was nuts. Like this was 1995. and 1995. I think about fifteen percent of American households were even online. Like right. Even in the states, we didn't really. Right.
0: People weren't online. And there certainly wasn't a web presence.
1: No. So thing. I just thought he was insane, and I thought, "Oh, this is great! I'm about to go across Russia for three months with this crazy man who I've only just met." But then he pulled this giant camera out, and he showed me. He took a picture of me, and then he popped this little diskette into this other little thing, adapter thing, and then he put it into his to his laptop, and my face came up on the screen, right. and I had no idea this technology't even in the film worms. it was just unbelievable to mm-hmm. me So we did this and then we had these two guys in San Francisco who are our partners. Um, and uh for this nonprofit, and they put the actual site up because mm-hmm. it was all we could do like he would take these photos gary would take these photos shrink the pictures down to 25 kilobytes each and it would take us like eight hours to upload six photos mm-hmm. of 25 kilobytes each right so we would send them to these guys and then they would put them up you know on the on the site and gary and i actually so we're doing this in the middle of siberia with this mm-hmm. dial-up and we uh we would um he uh we didn't actually even see our own website until we were done. Until you so, And you would connection. upload
0: text going.
1: Yeah. So I would send the stories. Gary would upload the photos. And then we would have a little thing saying this photo is this person it goes with this paragraph and then the guys would just put it up on would the site it.
0: yeah and I didn't even see it until So the there's no
1: self web publishing at the time oh my oh. god no no nothing right. like that right nothing like that and
0: and why did you do this you were just trying why do it on the web why not just do a book because that's what people did in those days
1: yeah this Gary because Gary was a guy who always wanted to push the the boundaries and push the limits of what you could do with photography mm-hmm. and somebody he knew at Kodak said oh we are developing this new thing and it's really cool and he said "Ooh, like you could then just like put stuff up on the web and his big thing that he was really excited about was oh we can have people emailing us and being in contact with us along the way and so like two or three weeks into this three-month trip We got an email from a guy in Canada saying, hey, I actually left Russia like two years ago to try to make a living here in Canada. My wife and my kids are still in Irkutsk. Can you stop by and say hi to them and put pictures of them up? Oh, wow. And so we did. And it was like this incredible, like Gary and I just couldn't believe it. It just totally blew our minds. Oh, yeah. So we go and like knock on the door of this house. And the woman's like, Oh hello! And we said, well, mm-hmm. we've been getting this thing called email from your husband, and he's like right. said to swing by and take a And that was the time pictures. where you
0: said, we've been getting this thing called this email. thing called email. People didn't. Right. There's this
1: really funny funny moment that happened where I was interviewing this woman in Novosibirsk, and she, like everybody else, would say we'd say, well, we're American journalists, and they would say, well, who are you writing for? and we would say well there's this thing called the internet and we would explain that you like plug your computer into a phone line and then and people just thought we were making stuff up so this woman I said you know do you mind if I use your last name the russians the are reporting? such trusting people <laughs> <laughs> i said i said do you mind if i use your last name in the in what i'm writing and she said well tell me again where it's being published and <sighs> i said well there's this thing called the internet and i explained it to her and she said okay Stop, stop, stop. She said, Russians will never figure that out. No. You can go ahead and write what you want. <laughs> she was like, yeah. We will is. fast forward to today. Exactly. They have figured it out. Yeah,
0: that's right. So you you did this across Russia and then published this. And to, to so what? Did, yeah, so we did the we
1: did this website. And we called it the Russian Chronicles. Right, and like 14 people were on the internet at yes. the time. No, actually, no, it was surprising how much. We got a, actually a fair amount of traffic. We got mm-hmm. a lot of people emailing us. Mm-hmm. We had this little page on the site that was like, I mean, it's also it was rudimentary a blue to look links. At now. a lot
0: of a lot of the internet that time wasn't visual. It was actually yeah. blue links. So the
1: fact that we were actually uploading photographs from the middle of Siberia, this was just insanely. Like, I still can't believe we managed to do it. And Gary actually had some sort of deal with Sprint, which had had these telecom nodes there because they were starting to try to do business in Russia. He mm-hmm. had this deal with them where we would go to their offices and somehow hook up to the nodes directly. Right. I still don't fully understand how we did it. <laughs> and the, but the pictures so went down. This, yeah, so we had this website. And, and it so was, you'd sit there for eight hours. While yeah, the- so and it was so stupid. Like, we'd be like... Okay, we start to upload. and It's like, oh, this one's really slow. Okay, well, you watch and I'll sleep for a while. Because yeah. if, if it, you know, yep. conked out, you'd or have to it start it work, over that's again. That's right. Like, oh, go, God, oh, we have to catch the train. We have to get to the train station. And we'd go all night and then it would stop. Yeah. But, yeah, so we, we did the site. And actually, if you look at it, it, it actually up until about two or three months ago, it was still online. You could look at it. Mm-hmm. And you could look the, on the bottom of the homepage. It said... Uh, Best viewed using Netscape 1.1 N or later. <laughs> so that's kind of my favorite bit. Yeah, 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 it was super cutting edge for its time. Yeah, absolutely. And it just looks ridiculous today. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, look at old Yahoo!s. You ever look at old yeah, Yahoo! Yeah, the first yeah, yeah. page of the so Yahoo! Yeah. So you went back then in ten years, right?
1: Later. So Gary and I did this trip, and I thought, well, that was a once in a lifetime trip. And we, we did things like we went out to visit a farmer in this tiny village outside Ulan Ude, and we went out with the scientists who study Lake Baikal. We went out on on an expedition with. Them but explain
0: and, the lake is one of the biggest. Yeah, it's Lake, like, by lake calls, Michigan, like, or, It's like
1: a wonder of the world. It's got. It's actually got more freshwater in it than all of the Great Lakes combined. But mm-hmm. it has much less surface area. It's actually super deep. deep it's it's right. more than a mile deep. Lake that's Baikal. where, yeah, it's amazing. The Loch Ness monster lives. That's in where the Loch. Yeah, that's right, in the Loch. The Loch. by call monster. Yeah, it's right. a summer home. Uh, so yeah, so we and you know we interviewed a rap star in Moscow and we went to this lighthouse at the edge of the earth in Vladivostok. So we're just like meeting regular people and 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 doing this. And I'm thinking that was a once in a lifetime trip. Like I'll never do anything that cool again. Right. So ten years goes by and I call Gary because we're still friends. He was living in Paris and I said, Hey, wouldn't it be cool? If we just went back and like you those going people, at. sort of like ahead. that
0: Seven Up, series. yeah, like right. Seven
1: Up, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly, and you know a lot had changed in Russia because in 1995 it was just four years out from the Soviet Union and Yeltsin was the president, mm-hmm. Clinton was our president. It was like super friendly relations uh, between the two countries, and then in 2005, now Putin had been in office for five years, mm-hmm. the economy had turned around, and I just thought it would just be really fascinating mm-hmm. to go It was see our president at the time, uh, George W. Bush. Okay, so. Gary couldn't come, mm-hmm. so I hired another photographer, this guy named David Hillegas, and he and I set out, and we actually did this deal with the Washington Post, where it, it, it ran on WashingtonPost.com as a blog for 11 weeks. Mm-hmm. And so we just Which went... Which were
0: also in their infancy. Blogs were also...
1: Um, blogs were new. Yeah, new, blogs new-ish were yeah. new. Yeah, yeah, so that was, that was uh, it was very cool to be able to have, you know, have WashingtonPost.com uh, running it.
0: So we went, and like... What blog uh, software did you use at the time?
1: Uh, actually, you know what? I just would email this. Stuff. Again, it was oh, like me emailing wow, the stuff there, there and been, emailing There were a couple of WordPress, I think. I'm yeah, they, it was just whatever. It was. There was an editor there that I worked with who put it up on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But actually, it's funny, just as an aside, like we didn't get as much viewership as we hoped because we launched on September 1st, 2005, mm-hmm. and that was right in the middle of New Orleans was underwater. Right. From, from Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. So that was like the Washington Post stripped down their entire homepage and it was nothing but Katrina the whole time. So mm-hmm. But anyway, so we, we start the trip again. We, you know, we start with a remote lighthouse in Vladivostok, mm-hmm. which is, you know, 5,700 miles from St. Petersburg. It's seven time zones away. It's like right next to North Korea. So we went there and just like knocked on the door again to see the people. And I had no idea if they'd be there. I had no idea if they'd be alive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they come out and they're like, Oh, hey, American (laughs) journalist who was here 10 years ago. You're back. Isn't that funny? And so did that all the way across and found almost everybody. Like, incredibly enough, we found, like, everybody except for one guy Mm -hmm. who was an elderly pensioner in 1995. And I suspect he was no longer living. But so we found everybody and did this blog. And I thought, like, even before I finished in Two thousand and five. I thought, well, now I have to go back in twenty fifteen. I gotta right, see. Right, I gotta right. see what's going on with all this. What's these people happening?
0: Now. And what was the difference between Russia and uh, in the two Russias?
1: What so, nineteen ninety five, four years out from the Soviet Union, the ruble had collapsed. Nobody like the transition. If you remember from like the state-controlled economy to a market economy mm-hmm. in Russia, was completely disastrous. The ruble collapsed. People lost their life savings. Everybody was freaked out. You didn't have the social net that you had had before. Sure. And everybody was just like. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. They, they were just completely freaked out. Mm-hmm. It was very chaotic. And then in 2005, I got there. Putin had been in office for five years. Um, the economy was doing really well because between 1995 and 2005, the price of oil tripled. Right. And it's a very oil-based economy. That. They've got much So oil. they have all this money coming in, and then they're like sending it out to the provinces and the other cities and stuff, and they're building better roads, and they're building bridges. And suddenly, like— I think on that first trip, there was literally one person that I met who had a credit card and had ever been outside of mm-hmm. like right. Soviet-controlled area. Like They had right. gone on a trip to Italy. And by the time we came back in 2005... People were going on vacations to Turkey, and they had credit cards, and they could afford to buy imported stuff. And it just felt so different. Mm -hmm. And the shorthand that I've used, which I think is really true, is like Putin made Russia great again. Mm -hmm. You know, Russia, if you think about it, like Russia in the second half of the 20th century, there were only two superpowers in the Mm -hmm. world, us and, and the Soviet Union. Then the Soviet Union collapses, and in the 90s, nobody cared what Russia thought about anything anymore, because mm-hmm. they were poor, they were broke, their their army was weak, like nobody cared, mm-hmm. you know? And so then in 2005, they start to get strong again. And so people, this is, you know, people ask me all the time, like, is Putin really popular over there? And the short answer is Yeah, we're going to get yes. into that in more detail, yeah. so like what that is. But so so that was the main difference, was just economically,
0: everybody and was doing what, a lot better. what did you bring? What did what I bring? Yeah, <laughs> so, this time. So, All so right, you so didn't bring this giant camera. No. Like, so now the, people had been uploading photos to the internet pretty easily. Right. Over. The difference, but I don't think Instagram or Facebook was big in two thousand five. No. No. no.
1: Nope. So David Hillegas, the photographer, no, had Twitter, regular no, good no. cameras. Yeah. No, there was no Twitter. There was Facebook. No, there wasn't Facebook. No. Facebook was like two thousand six or seven. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there wasn't any of that stuff, but there were internet cafes. Like, we were able to go, even in tiny little biru which is this, like— Where's Biru-Bijan? is, like, the far—it's, like, so far east, it's not even Siberia. It's mm-hmm. the Russian Far East. Right. It's just up from—just uh, a little bit north of China. It's really the middle of nowhere. It's where Joseph Stalin sent Jewish people in the late 20s and early 30s, promising them—it was called the Jewish Autonomous Region, still is— and his whole pitch was, this will be a Jewish homeland in Russia, everybody. Mm-hmm. So he basically, like, offered all these Jewish people free passage on the Trans-Siberian Railroad to go out to this place, Birabijan. And at its height, there were actually, like, more than 40,000 Jewish people living there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, by now, by the time I got there in 1995, there were very, very few. Um, but even in little Birabijan, they had this internet cafe with super fast connections, because there was all these teenage boys in there playing
0: mm-hmm. games. Video. And, yeah. yeah. video
1: games and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, it just was like night and day being able so to communicate. So you brought a camera, a digital camera. We brought, we brought a digital camera, smaller. Yeah, much like a regular size camera. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, we also like one of the sponsors of the trip was this satellite phone company, mm-hmm. so they gave us a satellite phone and this and an RBGAN satellite communicator. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Remember those? No. You hook it up and you basically you hook it up to your laptop and then you can be it's anywhere. You can, yeah. But it was like, I mean, it was so difficult to use. Sorry company that sponsored us but but so we you know to show what it could do we were out on a boat on lake Baikal and we were like look we're uploading photographs from our Arbigan and we were out in a field in Buryatia with the farmer, and look we're like out here with the cows and we're uploading this stuff but it was so hard to use we hardly used it at all really mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, you compare that to when I went back in 2015.
0: Right. Well, we're going to get to that in a well, second. Yes, yes. So, but you carried a digital camera, uh-huh. your laptops.
1: Uh-huh. What else? Digital camera, laptops. We had to, still had to double up on everything because we were traveling with Apple computers, and you can't buy Apple stuff in Russia in 2005. Right. And actually, we had a really disastrous moment where David accidentally knocked his laptop off of a chair. And there was vodka broke. involved, I'm <laughs> There was always vodka involved. No, uh, he accidentally knocked it off, and then he we, it wouldn't start. And I was like, oh, my God, like thinking – I'm literally going to have to fly out of the country into Western Europe, buy a laptop, and bring it back because I don't know how else to do this. Mm-hmm. And then David somehow popped it open and fiddled with it and fixed it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, still don't know how he did it. But we doubled up on software. We doubled up on the wires and stuff because there just was no way to buy anything that was made by Apple there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And then the satellite communicator thing. And,
0: and Internet cafes. And Internet cafe.
1: Yeah, it was so easy at that point to dial up. And it, it just was – it was – much, much, much easier on the second trip than it was on the first And this is a happier
0: trip. Russia under Putin
1: yes, this time. Yes, much more so. People felt more comfortable. They felt more comfortable talking to us. Certainly they were, you know, people were very open talking to us, surprisingly so, I thought. Mm, I
0: think people have a vision of Russia that's, like, quite different than what it, it is like.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. If you ask people here, like, what do you think of when you think of a Russian person? They'll say, like, cold, unfriendly, and... You know, and they certainly are to people they don't know necessarily. Like if you're mm-hmm. walking down the street in Russia, you don't smile at everybody because they will think you're insane or they'll think you want something or they're very, they don't really trust that. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a Russian person's home, it's just, they're just unbelievably, like people are just so generous to us on this trip. Right. Like, if you think about it, right, like if you're a farmer in the middle of wherever you are and a Russian, two Russian people come knocking on the door and <laughs> right. say, hey, we're a couple of Russian journalists and yeah. we'd like to write about you. You're probably not going to have them in for dinner and have mm-hmm. them stay over. But this is what people did with so
0: when you went back in 2015, the conclusion was that Russia was on in a good place, wasn't it?
1: Well, so Russia in 2015 was kind of in between. Not the two, 2015. Right? Twenty. So t- 2005. 20, yeah, Russia seemed to be in a good place. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in the next. People section. were getting their confidence back. People were feeling like, all right, we made it through the worst of it. Like the 90s. The 90s pretty much sucked for Russian people. It was right. not a good time. So,
0: what, what was the most unusual person that you met there during that the 10 year difference? unusual person well who changed the
1: most oh wow well i'll say a couple of people had really dramatic bad things happen to them there was one i got one guy actually who was murdered and that was awful that's bad like that was a terrible very 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 sad story mm-hmm. um and then uh, another guy was uh had another tragic thing happen to me got hit by a bus and was in a coma for a while and then he came out of it but then you know i, I went to go meet him at a at a at a train station at a you know, a metro stop. And he and I stood on the platform, the only two people on the platform for ages because neither of us recognized each other. Oh, wow. I was like, where is this guy? Where is this guy? And then I looked and I was like, oh my God, I think that's him because he had changed a lot, you mm-hmm. know, because he'd had this accident happen. Um But it was really interesting to see, like most people were so much better off in 2005 than they had been mm-hmm. in 1995. It there were only a, a couple much. who were not. There was a farmer who wasn't because he had lost his tax subsidies he had in the 90s. And his story sort of got worse and worse as we went along, but... I think farming is, is, it's a difficult way to to make a living at the best of times, you know. So, but, but almost everybody in 2005 was better off.
0: And better off. Okay, we're here with Lisa Dickey, who's the author of Bears in the Streets. It's a journey across Russia that she took in three trips over three decades. And we'll talk more about that when we get back. Today's show is brought to you by Audible, which has an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. And you can listen to all of that wherever you are, thanks to Audible's free apps for iOS, Android, and Amazon devices. It's not a streaming or rental service. With Audible, you own your books. Lisa, what book should I listen to next?
1: Bears in the Streets.
0: No, no, no. You can't <laughs> say your own book. I said that.
1: <laughs> you did say that. There's no an Audible margin. version of it. Oh, anyhow. right. Uh, what book should you listen to next? Well, I just picked up A Gentleman in Moscow, and I'm about a third of the way in and it's
0: really really what what is this about Um,
1: it's a novel and it's about a guy who is being held in the uh, Metropole Hotel Mm -hmm. in the early 1920s he's a count and he is, uh, he's being held there because he's supposedly anti-revolutionary. Oh. And it's just a really interesting character study. Um, again, I'm only about a third of the way into it, but it's really quite well, good. Well,
0: thank you very much. Mm-hmm. When you become an Audible member, you get a free book every month plus a 30% discount on all regularly priced audiobooks. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash decode, download a title free, and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash D-E-C-O-D-E. That's audible.com slash decode and get started today. I also want to tell you about Too Embarrassed to Ask, my other podcast, which I hosted Lauren Good from The Verge, but Lauren wasn't on last week's episodes. Instead, I replaced her quite easily, I might add, with Recode's Jason Del Rey. Say hello, Jason. Hello, Jason. Yeah, thank you. Well done. All right. (laughs) How you doing? Okay, every Friday we answer your questions about consumer tech. Jason, what did we talk about this last week? We talked about Walmart versus Amazon and the future of e-commerce and physical retail. Yeah, and because why? What did Amazon do? Amazon did a biggie. They did a biggie. They agreed to acquire Whole Foods for nearly $14 billion. Their largest acquisition, if it goes through, by about... $13 $13 billion. So a yeah. big, big deal. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And they're taking over the kombucha market now, obviously, because that's where everybody gets their kombucha and whole foods. Yes, okay. the $8 bananas. Yes, and $8 bananas and $4 tomatoes, you know, and I happily pay it like because I'm a freaking idiot. Anyway, it was a really great discussion and we hope you'll go listen to it. You can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there. We're here with Author Lisa Dickey, who wrote Bears in the Streets, which is about, you guessed it, Russia. It's a book about three trips she took across Russia over three decades and how the technology and the country evolved in that time. So the first time you went over, you had a giant suitcase full of technology. Giant suitcase full of took every cord hours. and wire
1: and software and a giant digital camera the size of a Buick.
0: Buick. And the second time? Second time, laptops. we just had regular
1: digital cameras and we had a couple laptops. But, uh, oh, and we still had to double up on stuff because they didn't have Apple
0: I didn't have there. Apple stuff, yeah. so third time you decided to go back. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> third time, what you keep going back? You, keep, going back. you keep, going like,
1: keep like I know it's like I'm obsessed. Yeah, it's I like think. it's like an addiction. It's a weird right. addiction. Uh, yeah, so I went back again in 2015, found all the same people again, and this mm-hmm. time around I thought, am that I you
0: interviewed?" This is a trip yeah, across from yeah. Vladivostok to where? Moscow to Saint Petersburg. Saint Petersburg. So right.
1: eleven cities mm-hmm. in seven different time zones. All right. Yeah, so I would go like east to west on the Trans-Siberian and stop in at each of these eleven different cities and mm-hmm. interview the same people that I had interviewed first in 1995 just mm-hmm. to see how their lives have changed so mm-hmm. it's just like an in-depth look at how Russian people's lives actual people's lives have changed over mm-hmm. the past 20 years so yeah so for the technology this time around I did not bring a photographer I thought ooh, I can just take my own pictures using my iPhone isn't iPhone? that easy yeah so I did that um and were they just as good they were not as good unfortunately okay. but uh and this time around I didn't you know I didn't do a website I mean this it would have been so easy to blog or Instagram mm-hmm. or do whatever it was I didn't do any of that stuff I, I was doing a book and so I sort of kept it under wraps um, but it was just so much easier this time it was ridiculous I mean I could just FaceTime with people you know whereas before mm-hmm. when I'm out on Lake By Call and I'm using that big clunky began and mm-hmm. you know in 2005 that trying to one. upload stuff But this time, I literally was standing on a boat floating on Lake Baikal FaceTiming with my wife. Like, no no problem. (laughs) Yeah. So easy. It's so incredible, like, the difference.
0: Because of cellular service. And then
1: also, this is kind of a funny story, in 1995, Gary and I had told this guy in ulan Ude that we wanted to meet a, f- a Buryat farmer. ulan Ude is the capital of Buryatia, which is okay. one of the republics. It's which a, it's, part of Russia, for those um, who are not geographically? It's in Siberia. That's right, yeah, it's right just north of Mongolia. Mm-hmm. So we had said, oh, we want, to, we want to meet a farmer. And he said, okay, I think I know someone who can help you. So he had this colleague who was a Buryat woman who knew somebody who lived in a village like three hours away. So she wrote a hand-written letter, a handwritten letter in the Buryat language and said... Get on this bus, go three hours, get off, and ask for this woman by name. Mm -hmm. I don't know her street address, but it doesn't matter. It's a tiny village. So we go out with this letter in a language that we don't understand. We get Mm -hmm. to this woman's house. We hand her the letter. She's like, oh, my God, are you actually Americans? And we said, yeah. And she couldn't believe it. She'd never met a foreigner before. So we had this crazy experience, and she like hooked us up with this farmer, and she drove us way out into the sticks, and we spent a couple days with this farmer. So fast forward now to 2015. So I'm with in Ulano Day with the same guy who 20 years ago recommended me to this Buryat woman who did all this for us. And I said, well, we're going to go back out and see the farmer again. And the guy's like, well, does he know you're coming? And I said, no. And he said, I really think you should get in touch with him. And I said, well, I don't have his phone number or anything. We're just going to show up. And he's like, I'm really uncomfortable with that. So how can we find him? And I was like, oh, I know. I'll look up. His son's on Facebook. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? right. So his son was on Facebook. Yep. And I sent him a message and he didn't reply immediately. And then I was like, well, I don't know what to do. Oh, he could, he's probably on Contactia, which is the Russian version of Facebook. Oh, explain so that. Contactia? Contactia, which but it's means not, it's a it means in contact. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a social media site. Yeah. So, so we contact, I contacted him through Contactia. Mm-hmm. Do you have and, to join Contactia? Well, I did it through somebody who already had a, uh, right. who already had a, um, a, a profile on it and he responded in like a half an hour right. and he's like oh my god i can't believe you're back here his call kid, my dad here's, here's his cell phone number well so now he's you know he's in a, i guess he's probably like 30 something right so he was he about was. 11 or 12 when yeah. i first met him wow so he's like oh here's my dad's cell phone number i'll call him and tell him you're coming but the difference between going for three hours on a rickety bus right. with a hand letter expecting a donkey in there somewhere <laughs> 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 there should have been a donkey yeah but it was just so and like you know I never thought I'd see any of these people again after 1995 because Mm -hmm. they all lived in the middle of nowhere, and why Mm -hmm. was I ever going to go back there? Now I'm Facebook friends with all of them. Right. So you don't need to see them anymore. I know everything that's going on with everybody because we're all Facebook friends. Right. We can message each other and we're liking each other. Which farmers on Facebook? The farmer is not, but his son and his daughter are. I see. Okay. He's on Instagram. (laughs) Okay. No.
0: So you went back, so you go back with just your phone and just yourself, and you found these same people. Sure did. And tell me what they were like. So you could chronicle them in the easiest way possible with just a mobile device
1: yes it was very easy this time around it was super easy i i I went back i mean the biggest worry that i had this time was that you know you've been seeing that you know anti-american sentiment was really high they had you know the invaded crimea and you know we had imposed sanctions and everybody Mm -hmm. was saying that you know the relations between the u.s and russia were worse than they'd been since the Mm -hmm. stalin era so i was very nervous about going back traveling by myself you know um, but I didn't have any trouble at all, and I went back, and people were just as welcoming as they had been before. They had a lot to say about the American government and how they they truly and vehemently disliked the American government, mm-hmm. um, particularly Barack So Obama. this is Obama's the president yeah, at this Obama's point. Yeah, Obama's the president at this point. Yeah, and I would ask people what they thought about Obama, and they mm-hmm. just were like, oh, God, the faces they made. I had one guy say, I'm just embarrassed for you as a country that you could ever possibly elect <laughs> such a man. And they were like, and they meant it. I mean, they were just... Wow, not,
0: not Trump. No, they love
1: Trump, right? Well, you know what? It's funny. In the fall of 2015, when I made this trip, I didn't really mm-hmm. ask people about Trump because I never imagined right. that he would actually get the nomination, much right. less be president.
0: Right. And so explain why they hated Obama.
1: Well, they hated him because the, most of the information that they get about him is from watching TV news, and most TV news in Russia is controlled by the Kremlin. Right. And so what they're getting is a steady diet of... You know, I, I would say, like, why do you dislike him? Well, mm-hmm. because he's a liar, because he's sneaky, because he's... And I had a lot of people say this to me, and sort of towards the end, I had this, this conversation with a couple, um, and they kept saying that. They were like, oh, he's so awful, and all he does is lie, and you can't believe a word that he says. And then I said, all right, well, so... I mean, you hate, and and then then the husband said, well, you know, it's never good for Russia when a Democrat is in office. And I said, Mm -hmm. all right, well, then did you like George W. Bush? And then they're like, oh, God, no, we hated him too. He was Mm -hmm. terrible. And I said, well, are there any presidents that we had that you liked or admired? No. Ronald Reagan.
0: Ronald Reagan, who was most aggressive and I, and towards— <laughs> I was
1: like, wait, how can you like Ronald Reagan? Like, Ronald Reagan's the guy who— Tear like, down this wall, yeah, exactly. Mr. And Gorbachev, like, He said like, what he meant. He was a strong
0: man. He was—, and I oh, was they Like just, a strong man I was man really Russia, surprised by thing. that. Interesting. Yeah, just so did, heavy dislike of Obama.
1: Yeah, very heavy dislike of Obama. Very heavy dislike of Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Their feeling was just—I I think their feeling was Russia gets screwed when, you know, Obama or Clinton are in office. hmm You know, that was their feeling.
0: Right, because they don't like the Russians. And and there there
1: was very much a feeling. So the title of the book, Bears in the Streets, speaks to a feeling that I encountered numerous times on this trip. Mm -hmm. That Russians think that we don't respect them. So the title comes from, you know, the second day that I was there in the 2015 trip. A woman said to me, well... You know, you Americans all just think that we have bears wandering around in the streets here. No, well, do they? Meaning, well, I'll get to that. But there's because <laughs> I think they do. Uh, <laughs> so, so you know, she says this to me, and I thought, oh, that's kind of funny. You know, but, yeah. You know, meaning that we think that they're less backwards of them, or less yeah. sophisticated, which or they've had
0: that problem for hundreds so kind of, of like, years. I didn't even I was Peter like, oh, right?
1: I said, oh, well, that's kind of funny. I don't think we really think that, but whatever, thank you. And so then, you know, a, a, a week later, I'm in a different city, and another person says the same exact phrase to me: "Oh, okay. you Americans all think we have bears wandering in the streets." Six different cities, six different people oh, said this exact their version thing to me. It must have been. I don't know. And mm-hmm. so, so it's, the, the biggest thing, I think, for them is they feel like we don't respect them. They feel like we don't pay attention to them. Well, now, of course, we're paying attention to Russia sure. all the time. And I think that that, is, that makes them feel, you know, and, and this is a gross you know exaggeration to say everybody. But, like, I do think there is a certain segment of Russian society that does feel like, all right, now you're going to pay attention to us again, just like you did when it was two superpowers, mm-hmm. you know, when it was back, you know, yeah, when prior
0: to the collapse, that's incident. been an issue mm-hmm. in Russia. It's, remember Peter? We Peter the Great. We aren't getting paid attention. You know, I think it's, yes. it's something that's a constant. Yeah, refrain as I recall from my historical learning in right. college.
1: But then they didn't have. If you think right. about it, from 1945 through the end of the Soviet Union, so mm-hmm. for you know almost 50 years we cared a lot about what the russians did. Well, we just we cared liked all the time. them. Like, no, yes. No, but we paid, look, they you beat us paid into attention. space, they yeah, had that's the first right. man there was in all space, those sports they, you know, things yeah, it was all that stuff. Like it yeah. was always like yeah, the competition, the, the Soviets versus the Americans, that was a right. big thing. But in the 90s after the after the Soviet Union collapsed, mm-hmm. nobody everybody was like, okay, China, now we care about China. China. Now China's the other superpower. Mm-hmm. Which is there's another funny story where I was the guy who I was writing about in uh, in Novosibirsk, this guy named Valera. He and I had a free night and so we went to the movies in Novosibirsk cuz of the fall of 2015 and we went to see The Martian. Mm-hmm. And in The Martian there's this plot point where Matt Damon is stranded on Mars mm-hmm. and you know we need to like get a rocket up there and we have a rocket explode and oh my god how are we going to get up in there there in time? We have to ask another country for help. Right. So China. Who do we ask? Right. China. We ask China.
0: Oh, then we come know. out
1: of the movie theater, and I said to Valera, "I'm like, oh, well, how'd you like the movie?" Thinking he'd say like, "Oh, you know, American can-do spirit, Matt Damon, mm-hmm. square jawed American hero." Mm-hmm. Ha ha. But instead, he was really pissed off. He 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 said, "I cannot believe who would ever suggest that you would ask China instead mm-hmm. of Russia." He, like, he was so offended by that. Yeah. And he was really convinced that that was like the American government forced the filmmakers to make this choice just oh, to screw my God. with Russia. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot, that, like that, that seemed to me like a really prevalent attitude among a mm-hmm. lot of people that. The things that we're doing are meant to screw with Russia. Yeah. But I think we also think that about Russia that the things they do are yeah. meant to screw with us. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, some of the stuff they oh, do. We're talking is, about that next. But section, some of the stuff yeah. that we do is meant to screw with them. Right. I mean, that's, right.
0: Especially that movie. That's <laughs> a, yeah. especially that. movie. Obama called Damon up and said, "Hey, hey, ch- Chinese." Well, you know, piss if you read the
1: book, up. which I had just read the book, actually, it is written in the book that it is China, and the guy who wrote the book. He just was putting chapters up online. He was just like a nobody writer. Yeah. He was just writing the stuff and putting it online. Yeah. So, I mean, it's better. Well, he got but, called by Obama. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Back yeah, when he was just writing. Them. So,
0: in terms of the how Russia was, this is ten years into Putin, fifteen years into Putin. So, Putin
1: came into office in two thousand. So now he's now fifteen years in.
0: Right, so long time, mm-hmm. big strong man. I mean,
1: he's, let's let's clarify that there was Dmitry Medvedev for a while mm-hmm. because he had. But it's had Putin, a, right? So you know, Medvedev is basically Putin's right hand guy. So mm-hmm. effectively, fifteen years of Putin.
0: So, what was the attitude where Russia been besides being feeling insecure around the U.S.?
1: So, so. You know, if you look at it as sort of the arc of, you know, the 95 trip, it's chaotic. The the mm-hmm. ruble had collapsed. Everything was terrible. 2005, they're a lot stronger. The price of oil had risen. 2015, their economy's not doing so well. Because mm-hmm. so the price of oil had gone. The price of oil had fallen again. In, in, mm-hmm. in, in January of 2014, you could get, like, $1 would buy 33 rubles. Mm-hmm. And when I started my trip in September of 2015, so about 18, 19 months later, one dollar would buy you 67 rubles. Oh, wow. So the ruble just collapsed again. Mm-hmm. And it was partly due to the sanctions and it was partly due to the falling prices of oil. So I'd be going across country and I'd talk to people. Like, you know, there was one guy who lost his job mm-hmm. and he ended up working as a bus driver, but he had to stop doing it because he wasn't getting his checks from right. the government. So this used to be a huge problem in the mm-hmm. 90s. The government couldn't afford to pay people. And now it was happening again. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, well, are you mad at the government or are you mad at Putin? And he was like, oh, no, I'm not mad at Putin. I'm mad at you guys. Oh, because he was in America. Because he said, you guys are screwing with our economy. You're doing it just to make us weak because it makes you stronger when we're weak. Mm -hmm. And he had actually a framed picture of Putin up on his bookshelf with pictures of his family. I mean, I saw so many people had framed pictures of Putin and like calendars of Putin, and mm-hmm. they really. You
0: showed off some calendars of Putin at uh, yeah. Putin. <laughs> yeah. Some of them disturbing. They're pretty a lot they're, of chesty. It's like,
1: yeah, it's like. It's Do you funny like the because, SNL
0: version of him? Oh my God,
1: he's really funny. Yeah. He's really, he's perfect. He's, chesty. he's, not even, yeah, he's very chesty. Yeah, he's very chesty. He's very chesty with a big, you know, Russian Orthodox cross. And, mm-hmm. But it's funny because those, those, what I love about those calendars is mm-hmm. they're like, they'll always have like the triptych of photos, right? There's right. like Putin either with a gun or on a horse or, or like with his mm-hmm. shirt off. And then there's Putin cuddling some sort of furry animal, like right. a That's little right. kitten That's or something. Or something. Yeah. And then there's Putin looking like, you Putin-y. know, just like your your favorite uncle, right? Yeah, like yeah. he's, oh, look, here's Putin. He looks like a nice guy. Let's go really? out for lunch or it's something. Like he's kill you at any moment. I mean, it's really, it is it is fascinating
0: the difference between how we perceive Putin and how they perceive Putin. Mm-hmm. And, Which we're going to talk about a little bit more, like why yeah. that is and where the disconnect is, but that they they really admire and continue to think he's the best. Most Russians, the, is that yes, correct? Yes.
1: Again, let's like you know, obviously they're not a monolithic people. Like there are a lot of people mm. who don't like Putin, and there's, there's definitely been recent a lot of protests. We'll talk about. And there have been recent protests. Yeah, and I, and I would say, I mean, I think the sort of shorthand is: look, if you look at the United States and how people feel, how Americans, quote-unquote, feel about something, you pretty much kind of take New York and Washington, D.C. as separate entities. Mm -hmm. Or not separate, but they're not representative. Well, it's a half-and-half country, country, really, really. because half the country lives in cities. and Yeah. So I think in Russia, when you're talking about Russian people, and particularly, you know, for me, I try to stick to the people I actually spoke with and who I have experience with. The majority of people that I spoke with on these trips were not in Moscow and St. Petersburg. right? But then the people I spoke with in Moscow and St. Petersburg were a little bit more, had a slightly different attitudes. They mm-hmm. had were, had uh, not access to, but they just were more aware, I think, of the differing opinions of Putin worldwide, whereas there were a lot of the people that I talked to who were in Siberia or the Russian Far East or the smaller villages and towns. You know, they just, the ones I talked to, they just love the guy.
0: And what was the differences between, and give me two or three examples of the difference of people that you surprised you. Meaning? People changed. Um, I guess. Uh, I think the scientists were still the same, or
1: I, they actually really were. It's funny. It's not like people changed in some tremendously huge way. They mm-hmm. really didn't. Um, there it was. It was pretty consistent. You know, the lighthouse keepers were more or less the same. They were had been super nervous on the first trip. You know, because Vladivostok used to be a closed city, and then it was open. And then there's these Americans poking around with all this weird equipment. Um, and then they were less nervous later, but. You know, I wouldn't say that people changed a tremendous amount. Their circumstances Mm. certainly did. Like, Mm. you know, you mentioned scientists of Lake Baikal. One of the things that was really fascinating was in 1995, you know, we went out on this expedition with these scientists. And these are world-class scientists. I mean, Lake Baikal is an amazing lake. It's like Woods Hole oceanographers, right? Mm -hmm. They were so broke the, the institute wasn't getting the money they needed to do these expeditions. And so in order to do the work that they needed to do, they would sell postcards on the side or they would sell aquarium fish. Right. They were trying to find ways to make enough money to
0: mm-hmm. actually
1: do these expeditions. So then I go back in 2005, and suddenly there's all this oil money, flow, money flowing in. They have plenty of money. They're doing all these expeditions. They're not having to look abroad for funding, mm-hmm. which was like they felt embarrassed by or like right. – You know, they felt like, oh, God, in 1995, like, we're constantly having to ask foreign governments for money to study our own amazing lake. Mm -hmm. And this, again, goes to the ship that they have on their shoulder, not them specifically, but Russians in general. Right. So, and then, you know, I get back in 2015, and I'm really curious, like, do they still have money to do these things? Because the ruble has fallen. And they did have the money to do this stuff. And it's really interesting, because the first two trips, I was very focused on, you know, do the scientists have the resources they need to do this? Mm. And on the third trip, it... Became apparent. The story was that the lake is actually really sick now. Mm-hmm. This magnificent lake that's always been one of the cleanest bodies of water in the world is now being choked by algae. Like the mm-hmm. the sponges are dying. The health of the lake is really precarious right now. Mm-hmm. So that actually became the story.
0: Well, that's interesting. And then what about the rapper became right-wing-y, right wingy or right? No, the rapper. Yeah, the rapper was an interesting.
1: This is MC Pavlov is his name, <laughs> and uh, he was uh, he was a really tricky one. He was trickier than I expected him to be. He was one of the few. People, uh, I, I just sort of as a social experiment on this trip across Russia this time, I revealed to people that I'm gay mm-hmm. because I was really curious to how people would respond. Because, you know, obviously in 2013, Russia passed this law that you can't propagandize being a gay person. And so I was like, well, now I'm going to go across the country and propagandize the fact that I'm gay and mm-hmm. let's see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people were actually really chill about it. Most people were very really cool about it. And the, and the rapper... The rapper was not so much. He was very thrown by that, and he also was one of a few people on the trip who, you know, basically said to me, "Well, it's clear. It's been proven that nine eleven was an inside job. That mm-hmm. the American government basically was behind the destruction of the twin towers." Mm. And I and it was it was so odd to me because he was one of the few people. Certainly in nineteen ninety five, he had actually been to the states. Uh, he was with a band, very popular Russian band called Zvuki Mu, and Brian Eno, the mm-hmm. producer, super producer had heard their music and loved them and brought them to New York City in the late 1980s. Mm-hmm. So this guy had, like, traveled abroad. He'd been to the States. He was—he seemed like a super open and chill guy. But then, as I say, he had this terrible... I don't know if it was... I don't know what you... what What is related to what in terms of, like, how the accident affected him or anything. But he did he did seem to get a little bit more... Right. And then the girls, the young girls? Oh, God, the young girls were such, such a fabulous, crazy story. I mean, you know, I, I interviewed these two sisters in Chileabins they were 11 and 16 when i first met them and the 11 year old in particular is just this little girl with this little ponytail and practicing her piano and you know they they had a nice life they were like the, they were the one family that had the credit cards and the parents had actually recently gone to italy and that was just unheard of in the mm-hmm. mid 90s and so they were a really nice family and you know i we wrote about them and then i came back in 2005 and the 11 year old and the 16 year old were now 21 and 26 and they were like these Russian women that you see in mm-hmm. like, you know, Monaco or like spending. Geez, yeah. like, oh my God! It's like beautiful women, fluent in English. They came and picked me up in a Land Rover, and they just were like, they were just like <laughs> Russian supermodels. I was like, oh my God! They were just, and and when I saw them in 2015, so now they're 31 and 36, mm-hmm. and we went out to lunch in this place in Chiliabins called the Wild Boudoir Cafe. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. It's actually a really nice restaurant. But so we went and sat and had this meal, and the 36-year-old, who, again, she's fluent in English. She can read any media mm-hmm. that she wants. She was the most anti-American person I met on the trip, bar none. Like, this was the only time I saw her was at this lunch, and she almost immediately leapt into – Telling me why the Russian press is more free than the American press, mm-hmm. why the Russian people are more free than the American uh, people, and that nine eleven was an inside job, right. and it was like I, it just—I just said to her, I was like, look, I don't—I'm not a, a the hugest homer about my country. Like mm-hmm. I'm a—you know—I like my country and everything, but I'm—you know—we're not perfect, and I'm right. willing to. You know, there's a lot of things I could say about that. But I got to tell you, you're really wrong about this, about the Russian press and the American press. Like, really, you are. Although, look, you know, we see what's happening now here with our press, like, mm-hmm. you know, not being allowed to film the, the, the yep. press conferences at the White right. House and, right. you know, shutting down and not, you know, and yeah. everything is quote unquote fake news. And so we're definitely moving down a path. Some that weird I, that path. I think well, we'll talk
0: about that when we get back yeah. and what's happening with the Russian involvement. This is Lisa Dickey, author of Bears in the Streets where apparently there are not any bears in the streets in Russia. We'll be back. We'll get to that. i will get to that. This show is brought to you by Qualcomm, the company that invented the fundamental technology in everything you love about your phone. From download speeds to stunning photos to GPS, none of it would work the way you count on without Qualcomm engineers getting there first. And now the company that changed everything with the smartphone is about to change everything else. Qualcomm is why you love your smartphone no matter what brand of phone it is. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash weinvent. Today's show is brought to you by TransferWise. Do you ever have to send money internationally? If you do, you know it's expensive and time-consuming, and the exchange rate you get from your bank or provider can be terrible. Next time you have to make an international money transfer, you should use TransferWise. The exchange rate is incredibly good, so your money goes much further, and you pay only one small upfront fee. Setting up a payment is simple and fast, You know exactly what you'll pay up front and you get a real exchange rate with no markup. The two friends who founded TransferWise were immigrants from Estonia and they were sick of getting ripped off when they sent money home. So they came up with a quicker, cheaper, and easier way to transfer money between countries. Then they realized this great idea could be a company. Today, TransferWise lets millions of people and businesses all over the world send money internationally. See how much you can save at TransferWise.com. You can download the app for Android or iOS. Once again, that's transferwise.com. Transfer as in I need to transfer money to another country, wise as in I'm going to do it the wise way. transferwise.com. We're here with Lisa Dickey, the author of Bears in the Streets, a book about her travels across Russia over 30 years. So Russia's in the news now, like all the time, like it's sure all the time yeah, around hacking, around technology. When you first went to Russia, almost no technology. Right. Over the 30 years, obviously, they've gotten quite adept at it, and one of the biggest um, developers of technology, a lot of, you know, if you pick three countries, well, actually, maybe not Russia, but China, U.S., and uh, Israel, Russia, maybe India, like you, uh, in terms of the biggest users, consumers, and creators of technology. Talk a little bit about the technological leaps this country. This country is very, uh, they have availability of all technologies or what? Yeah, Yeah. oh yeah, everything. I mean,
1: particularly young Russians, you know, anybody under the age of 30 is constantly looking at their phones just like Mm -hmm. everybody is here. Yeah. They have all kinds of, you know, texting and social media and their Mm -hmm. own stuff and they use our stuff and... You know, What's
0: popular from the U.S. and what do they have? Like
1: you said, Kontaktia. Or? Um, yeah. So the so the Russian Facebook essentially is called Kontaktia, mm-hmm. which means in contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of Russians are on that, and a lot of Russians are actually on Facebook too. Mm-hmm. A lot of Russians on Instagram. Instagram is super popular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they're just they really are. They just they they're texting constantly. Twitter? Constantly, do they use Twitter or not? Yeah, they use Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? Um, those are. I'm actually not sure whether they use Snapchat or not. I'm. I'm not. I was actually just thinking about that earlier today. I'm not sure. I don't remember talking to anybody who. who and what are that the up. Russian
0: products they use? Obviously, the search products. Google is used there. Yeah, they use Google.
1: They use a lot. I'm. I'm not sure about like r- things that were created in Russia that they're using
0: mm-hmm. um, because I don't use
1: any of those products myself, and so I'm mm-hmm. not really sure. But we they're would. very tech savvy. Very, very tech savvy. It's easy to get. You can get Wi-Fi in a lot of places. You can mm-hmm. get you know Wi-Fi in the Moscow Metro and. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're just they're very up on everything. Like you, it's it would be a mistake to think of Russia as a place that's backward and, and they yeah. don't have bears wandering in the streets. I explain, like, but you said they
0: might. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there are some bears.
1: There are some bears. Yeah, there are some. It's actually on my when, while I was on my trip, um halfway through this 2015 trip, mm-hmm. when I was in Novosibirsk, there was a big story all across Russia where this one bear in Habarovsk went and like somehow got into a shopping center. Oh, late at night, and then yeah. they had this video. Actually, if you Google Habarovsk and bear shopping center, we you couldn't see, even spell habars. He's like he's like p- pounding on the thing trying to get out, and then he busts out the doors, and then he goes running down the street.
0: Right. So, <laughs> so. but but
1: look, but you know, it's funny, and I. You you know, we have spoiler have alert! I do this streets. put in my put this in my book too, but we have bears like jumping in swimming pools all That's across true. California right now. That's true. I mean, we have bears all over the, all over we the place do. here. Do yeah, we do. So see, we're more alike than we are different. Oh, okay. Of, <laughs> we see. have bears? That's
0: right. We have more wolves, I think. We have some wolves, wolves. But we, we have there. bears. Too. Yeah, deer. We have a lot of deer we in the streets. Deer. We sure do. Deer in the streets doesn't sound like a very <laughs> <No. laughs> so talk about this, this fear of Russia right now in terms of hacking because it seems to be at the center of every either in North Korea or Russia or at the center of all this. How do you how do they look at that in Russia? I mean, obviously you were there before this whole hacking scandal with Trump happened. But what is your assessment of why? I think what's that my, my
1: impression of what a Russian person, but the people that I talk to, with the, and, and again, this is me speculating, because you're mm-hmm. right, I was there in the fall of 2015. And this was mm-hmm. not nearly as big a story. No. I think their feeling would be, look, you got to, you've you got to protect your, you know, your servers, you've got to protect your, you know, I mean, I think there were a lot of mistakes that were made on, on our end in terms of. Um, you know, when the hacking was happening and, you know, the IT people not being up on whatever. And that certainly mm-hmm. doesn't excuse anything that was done because it doesn't, mm-hmm. like, look, we got attacked by, a, you know, hackers from that were, you know, so it, it is said we're being controlled by a foreign government. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's obviously problematic but we also need to be able to protect ourselves too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think another thing they would say is look you know you have all these trolls and these bots or whatever spreading all this fake news and we fall for it and i think i you know if i had to guess i would say their attitude would be that's on you mm-hmm. you know you got to you got to you guys got to learn how to you know there's there's it it's a it's a complicated thing i wish i wish in some ways that i had been there yeah a year later
0: to be able to ask right. people what they thought about all of this stuff right um but you'd guess they'd think it was false because they, they the government's been putting that, that out Not that it was
1: false the government's no. been saying
0: he's yeah but you well, know putin's what? been saying a lot of unusual things but he, he
1: recently sort of gave a little wink wink to you know
0: he's of course he we're doing been, this. yeah yeah yeah
1: and i mean to be honest i don't I mean, are you shocked by that? Are you
0: shocked that the there was the extent of it? Yes, you are. I, the extent of how effective it seems to have been in some ways. Of,
1: of how effective it is, but are you shocked that, like, a f- that yeah. one government's trying to mess with? government? Well, I don't watch the Americans like you do, but <laughs> you know what I
0: mean. I just, I, yeah. I think we're all trying to mess with each other's governments all the time. I think that's true. But this is incredible. This to me is yeah. much more.
1: But you know what I find more incredible? What I find incredible... from what I have been reading, this again. is what
0: I find incredible. I find
1: incredible that the current administration and mm-hmm. so many people who are at the the top levels of that administration, are so obviously saying, this isn't a big deal, this doesn't matter. That's what is really surprising to mm-hmm. me. It makes me wonder what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, why is it that, you
0: know, the, the, the that current, they're not indignant about yes, the Yes. Why is it,
1: the current president is, you know, angry all the time at the Germans and never at the Russians? when right. like, like, You know what I right. mean? Right. Like, this is not, there's there's something deeply weird about the fact that so many people in this administration are not... Are okay. Yeah, are okay with this. And these are mm -hmm. Republicans. You right. know, Republicans for years have been like, watch out for Russia, look out for Russia. And now mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe they messed with our election, but you know what, things mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. And I find that very surprising.
0: That said, I think most people, uh, you look at polls, most Americans are concerned with it. They don't, they still have a vision of Russia as not friendly. Yes. That it's a troubled country, that it's out to get us. I think that mm-hmm. has not left this country. In, in, yeah.
1: I think it's come, certainly come full circle in a way. You know? Yeah. I don't if think you we think ever felt it. warm and fuzzy towards the Russians. And You know, the 90s, the 90s were a good decade for Sort that. of. Yeah. But But, you know, what the Russians would say and did say to me yeah. on this trip, they're like, well, yeah, of course, that was good. Of course, you guys liked that because we were really weak. Right. You know, like, we like it when Russia is weak. That's, right. how, that's how they would phrase it. Right. But, you know, the first time I ever went to Russia was 1988. And mm-hmm. it was the, it was in, still in the Cold War. It was still the Soviet Union. And it really was. It was, like, really tricky, the relations between us and them. And, you know, I was happened to be living and working at the U.S. Embassy. And so, you know, we had all these rules. Like, I couldn't meet alone with a Russian because the mm-hmm. Russian was going to try to trick you, you know, yeah. trick me or compromise me or something and then you know in 1994 I moved to St. Petersburg just to live and work as a writer. And it was like, oh, my God, this is great. I can move about freely. I can talk to anybody. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's like it was really peace had broken out all over. And what's been interesting is to see, as I've done these trips, we've just come right back around, you know, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And, you know, lucky for me that, you know, I do this trip in 2015. I'm going across and I'm talking to people, and they're all very open and talking to me in large part, I think, because they've known me for 20 years. Right. I think if I were to do the first trip now, as opposed to when I did it in the mid-90s, I'm I'm not sure that people would have been quite so welcoming and, right. and accepting. Right, I think they would the have end. been more wary. So
0: where do you imagine the Russia-U.S. relations going? Because besides, one of the things, the points you're making at Code was that, don't see these people in the wrong light that you may not agree with them, but they're different than you imagine them to be.
1: Yes, and I think that's very true. I I always try to make a distinction between, I mean, I think the line I used at Code was, there are 144 million Russians not named Vladimir Putin. (laughs) And that's very important to remember, you know, because in the same way where Americans don't equal Donald Trump, Russian people don't equal Vladimir Putin. Right. You know, with my book and with these trips, I wanted to sort of be able to show people, look, this is why they love Vladimir Putin. Like, this is the hook for this is why this is how we can understand on a deeper level what his popularity is and why he's popular Mm -hmm. but but on another level i just wanted to show like these are people who just like you and me they worry about their families their kids their home their jobs you know who's gonna walk the dog this afternoon i gotta go do this thing Mm Like, you know, these are just regular
0: folks, really. Mm -hmm. And we do have a lot more in common with them than we think we do. So what do you think happens, given the level of uh, scrutiny right now in Russia, and largely to do with hacking, and largely to do with screwing around with our elections and... What I, All what sorts I think of Boris is, yeah, and Natasha action. I know there really is, and I don't. Boris, that's why we hate the Russians because of Boris, Boris and, and Natasha. Natasha. From, yeah, that's it. I, you know, I haven't said that Lisa speaks Russian fluently too, which has helpful to be in Russia. Yes, it's Obviously. definitely helpful. <laughs> <laughs> it was very helpful. Um, yeah, it's uh,
1: it's I if I could not even begin to predict where we're going to go because I would mm-hmm. never have predicted that we would end up where we are. Where we now. think they're
0: hacking everything.
1: I, I mean, it's it's so there's so much mistrust that's going on between us all now, Mm -hmm. you know, there really is. And there's, and, and the one thing that I think is important to remember is look, you know, we can't do anything about whatever it is that Donald Trump is doing in the white house. And we can't do anything about what Putin is doing in the Kremlin But what we can do is make sure we are having connections with people. I think I said, um, you know, there was a guy who came up to me after I did a talk at at one conference. And he said, you know, I've been asked to come and moderate a panel in St. Petersburg, but I feel like I should say no because of everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, it's the opposite. Like now is when you say yes. Like go over there, meet with them, talk with them. Because it's just helpful to have. Like, we have so many tools available at our disposal to be able to have connections. Mm-hmm. The fact that I have all these Russians who are my Facebook friends now, and you yep. know, or, or Instagram, you know, we're we're, we're Instagram friends, and it's right. like, you know, I think that's really critical now, and that's the mm-hmm. thing we didn't have do- during the Cold right. War. There wasn't any way to have connections yeah, with, with the Russian they, people. I'm just not a sure person Facebook's to person solve the problem. Though. I don't think it's going to solve it, but I just think it helps to remember that these is, you know, these are real people we're talking about. This right. is not, you know. It's just everything just becomes such a caricature after a while, right? Well,
0: our leaders are doing that oh, I mean, in many ways, that's true. So, I want to finish up. Are you going back in 2025? Yes, ma'am. You are, yeah, what until you're dead? What is I know, I was? think so.
1: I was trying to, like, I was talking with somebody and I was like, What kind of technology? I'll probably have like a GoPro camera installed in my forehead, or or like glasses, like, like, uh, yeah. AR, or something yeah. like that. And it'll be just, really It'll be a
0: constant yeah. broadcast from Russia, that's right. What do you imagine you're gonna find there in 2025
1: again? Like, isn't that what's so famous? Bears in the the streets is you what you're going to fuck. Yeah, that's right. It's to be bears in the streets. But it's like, you'd never know, right? right. Like, I would not, in, you know, from 2005 until now, yeah. I wouldn't or have 1995 guessed that would be. Until yeah. Oh my God, I never would have guessed it. Like, yeah. I, it's just impossible to know. Right. You know, like, right. who knows who the
0: president will be? Who knows who their president will right. be? Someone knows. I mean, no, nobody knows. The Russians will figure it out. For Elon us. Musk knows. <laughs> 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 Maybe Elon Musk will be president of both places. Oh, God. So I'm, I'm fucked. <laughs> president of the world, Elon Musk. Uh, So you're going to go back and see what happened? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I really, I really want to. And I just, you know, at this point, I just love seeing these people, you know. Right. When I went, when I went back in 2005, after Mm -hmm. having been there in 1995, there was a lot of, when I would knock on people's doors and they'd open it, there was a lot of them sort of looking at me. Right. Momentarily confused and being like, "Wait, mm-hmm. what? Why are you back here?" Right. And then, but this time around, when I would go, people would open oh, the door and they'd seem so. like, "Yeah, exactly." It was like,
0: "Hey, uh, come on in," you know. Nice. Oh, Saw you on your Instagram. Like, that looked like a delicious <laughs> meal in Los <laughs> Angeles. No, exactly. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And what are you doing? I saw you on Twitter and yeah. this and that. Um, I want to end very quickly um, with Lisa. Just so you know, everybody, Lisa is the person who introduced me to the Internet. It's I'm not going to go into all the details, but Lisa is the one who showed me, explained to you, showed me okay, how to so use. Okay, so this is a what short happened. Short story, this Lisa did. This is such Dickey. a good story. No, it's a short one. Kara and
1: I were friends. This is 1994. Kara yeah. and I were friends, and I told her, I was like, oh, I'm moving to St. Petersburg to find my fortune as a writer. And Kara was like, oh, well, I guess I'll see you in three years when you're back. Like, how yeah. you know, my. I? And I said, look, you should try this thing called email. Yeah. You should get on this thing called email. There's this little company called America Online, and you should sign up for an account, and then you and I can email together. Yeah, and so we did. And but you were using that. something before that, F. Uh, remember? Well, I didn't use AOL in Russia. I used a thing called GlassNet. Yeah, GlassNet. Get it, get but then, it, Glassnet. yes, I got that yeah. GlassNet. <laughs>
0: but they used something else too. They used it very early. Yeah. What was it? I forget. I forget Remember, I they had. had weird names. Yeah. Yeah, you were so using yeah. really crude yep. communications tools. So, so we,
1: I introduced you to email, and like a, it was like a little light bulb went off. It like went. By off. the time I came back. God by the time I came back to the States you were like writing about AOL and, and, running, deal
0: and, and running the internet yeah, that's crazy. true so you are the reason Silicon Valley that's this right. is the person you're welcome everybody because <laughs> otherwise
1: Kara would still be like how do I send you a post how do I send you a post I wouldn't have sent you a postcard you know that's, <laughs> that's true, true. Can we just acknowledge, too, that you like came to visit me in Russia? Yes,
0: I did, but we're not going to talk about that. All right, okay, That's another right. story. That's I another could acknowledge it, it we're not talking about the fact that I didn't bring socks. You anyway. did
1: not bring socks. It was January. I just yes, want to say. it was, it was cold. Kara and Swisher, I thought there was department
0: gentlemen. stores, but now apparently there are. So I could come now without could socks now, yes. and buy socks. She's like, I'll
1: I'm just buy some at 11.30 p.m. on New Year's Eve in you know, <laughs> up
0: in New Whatever. York. You okay. can buy anything. <laughs> well, now I can. So, so much has changed. <laughs> so and yet, So little, changed. Lisa Dickey. Yes. Anyway, thank you for coming by. It was great talking to you. Thank Thanks, Karen. No problem. And I, the book is great. It's called Bears in the Streets, and you should buy it immediately if you want to understand what's going on with this very important country who is apparently fucking with us quite a lot or not if you're Donald Trump who knows I think they are if you enjoyed the interview as much as I did and so did several congressional investigations along with the FBI and a special prosecutor but you know whatever If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show, also Hillary Clinton. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews we've done with Greylock partner Reid Hoffman, NYU professor Scott Galloway, and the creators of Dear Evan Hansen, which just won a whole bunch of Tonys, just to name a few. You can find all those episodes and more where you found this one are on our website, rico.net slash podcast. Now you're done with this, check out our other shows on Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You'll hear no BS interviews with some of the smartest people in media and entertainment. I host Too Embarrassed to Ask along with Lauren Good of The Verge, and we will answer your questions about consumer tech on that show. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, including the Code Conference where Lisa was one of the speakers and got very good feedback. You can watch that too. We also have a live Recode Decode taping coming up on Wednesday, July 19th at the Erickson Campus in Santa Clara, California. I'll be interviewing Uber's new Vice President of Leadership and Strategy, and boy, do they need a lot of that, Frances Fry. It's going to be a really great interview, and we hope you can join us. Should I fry her on the issues? No, it's not really her fault. She just got there. Learn more at events.recode.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to Digital Media, the company that distributes this show, including Beth O'Connell and our editor, Chris Basil. And thank you to our long suffering producer, Eric Johnson. It's been another episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then. Hi, I'm Lauren Good, Senior Technology Editor at The Verge,
1: and I'm excited to tell you about my new upcoming video series, Next Level. In this new series, we go behind the scenes into the labs of some of the most innovative companies and research institutions around, and we show you the cutting-edge stuff that has the potential to impact the way you experience tech in the very near future. You can find Next Level on The Verge, on our YouTube channel, and on Facebook. Just look for the hashtag VergeNextLevel. And thanks for watching.